Syndicate Radio, the space radio station that will bring you the latest news, chat, music, and much more. Each episode will host a mixture of news and music, bad poetry, commander's logs, interviews, and hints and tips. Tune in on Space Frequency 19934 Astro Hills. Episode 3 is brought to you from State of Lockdown, as I am currently awaiting results on a COVID-19 test. In this episode, Commander McFreak brings us the news from around the galaxy. I talk briefly about my impressions of fleet carriers and how I believe they can be improved upon. Ragnar 13 talks about agility in combat. The adventures of Commander Mark Orminston continue, and we learn the background story of Commander Peyton Argon. If you need a new squadron, consider joining Pilot Syndicate 4. We have commanders in multiple time zones, so there is always someone online to chat to or wing up with. There are no demands on our members, just play the game your way, with the support of a fleet of other players. All that we ask is that you don't bring harm to our factional squadron. Fly safe and dangerous commanders. Pop over to the Syndicate Radio Newsroom with all the latest news from Commander McFreak. This week on Syndicate Radio News Thargoid negotiations, Raxler Rift, and Flaccid Fleet Carriers. Thargoid Negotiations According to reports, Tharg the Mighty has sent out a chilling message to all pilots. Leave the Pallades immediately, or face extinction. It would appear that Tharg has had enough of pilots entering the system to blast his barnacles and then jump out again to sell what they have stolen, according to Tharg. This has led to some speculating if the barnacles are somehow religious to the Thargoids. This moment in time, the Pilots' Federation are preparing to send in Emissary Number 43 to try and get some answers, as they appear to have lost contact with the previous 42 ships sent into the system. Fingers crossed, Number 43. We're all rooting for you. Raxler Rift Big Brain Boffins are claiming to be on the verge of uncovering the secret of Raxler. In an ongoing operation, they appear to have successfully launched unmanned Diamondback Explorers through a Terran space located between Lave and Deso. This has been unofficially dubbed the Raxler Rift. The final location of the unmanned ships is in the Andromeda Galaxy, which is quite some way off. The scientists are currently locked in a battle of rock, paper, scissors, Thargoid to determine who exactly will be piloting the very next ship that gets sent through the Raxler Rift. Good luck on that one, Boffins. And finally, we have the flaccid fleet carrier situation. Yet more changes have led to yet more delays in the long-awaited fleet carriers. With many rumours flying through the subspace, ranging from all building crews being quarantined due to the rapid spread of the Uranus N1 virus, to the wildly rumoured technicians suffering from sleep deprivation and psychosis due to the 13G transmitter towers installed on each and every fleet carrier. It's hard to know what to believe at this point in time. However, Syndicate News has been covertly sent a copy of a transmission. It's believed to be from the head of the Pilots' Federation, stating that they want to have a fleet carrier that is big enough to carry a fleet of fleet carriers. A super fleet carrier, if you will. I for one think that the situation has gotten well out of hand. Just give us the fleet carriers already and let's get this over with. That's it for this edition of Syndicate News. If you have any news you'd like to share, then please get in touch with myself, Commander McFreak. Until next time, fly safe, Commanders. Stuck for a babysitter and desperate to go exploring? Here at Griffin Space Crash, we will ensure that your offspring are fed, watered and changed. Quality care, safe and secure. Griffin Space Crash, trusted by space parents everywhere.
Warning, children left for more than 30 days will be sold to the Transgalactic Slave Trade Corporation. Children are left entirely at parents' own risk. a track called Are You Scared Yet? by Sasha Ender. Hi Commanders, Commander Gus Haynes here. Let's talk fleet carriers and how I think FDEV could improve on the currently proposed system. Earlier this month, YouTuber Yamix tested fleet carriers in the beta. He stated that the full purchase price for a fully fitted but not fully stocked fleet carrier would be almost 6.4 billion credits with a weekly upkeep of 147 million credits. At first glance, this does not appear too bad until you consider that FDEV are reported to also be reducing triple low temperature diamond hotspots when fleet carriers go live. My current estimate would be about three to five hours of pure grind per week after the triple low temperature diamond hotspot nerf for the upkeep cost of a fleet carrier. Yamix also stated that the huge debt mentioned by FDEV before your carrier goes into shutdown cycle is just 300 million credits, or just over two weeks of upkeep costs. I'm not sure how accurate the figure of 300 million is, as he did not say where that came from, however. But if this is true, taking even a short break from the game will severely affect you being able to keep your carrier running. Now don't get me wrong. Keeping the price and running costs high makes sense, as you wouldn't want five fleet carriers sat in a popular system driving commodity prices down because everybody's trying to undercut each other with the commodity markets. However, 
They also stated that these fleet carriers should be available to everyone. So they can't really go back on that without some serious repercussions from the player base. What I think FDED needs to do is to use these ships to start off a proper player economy. And they may need to rethink their current strategy to achieve this. Firstly, I think there should be a two-tier system of player-owned capital ships. Player-owned capital class fleet support ships and squadron-owned capital class fleet carriers. The individual player-owned capital class fleet support ships should come in vanilla only, with no upgrade abilities. They should contain a shipyard that can be used to store or retrieve your current ships. You should not be able to buy new ones there, but it should let you store all of your ships if you so desire. Basic services are standard. An engineering workshop, advanced maintenance, outfitting, but only of modules stored in your support ship, a crew lounge and storage. The storage would be for ships calculated on ship mass, modules calculated on layer mass and cargo. And that is a total of up to 6,000 tons. These would be personal support ships that would not allow interaction by other players. They would also be instanced with the player. So when the player leaves a the game, their support ship also jumps out. Because they are smaller than a fleet carrier, there would be a 15 minute warm up, still a 500 light year jump range, and with a 15 minute cooldown, making this support carrier far more versatile. The cost for one of these ships, I would suggest 2 billion credits standard price, with a weekly upkeep of 25% of all cash you earned that week. So that would be my plan for individual capital class support ships. And then squadron fleet carriers, larger capital class ships that do indeed support the fleet. With little or no change to the current fleet carrier mechanics in the beta, apart from being tied to a squadron and not a player, add a squadron rank of carrier commander and job done. They should also then allow cartographic services on these carriers, with an option of cashing in cartographic data at a reduced amount to the carrier or the full amount in the bubble. Let's say, for example, back in the bubble, you would get 100% of the data price. But on the fleet carrier cartographics, you get 50% of the sell price and the squadron gets 25%, meaning there is a loss of 25%. I think that some would take the hit for deep space exploration with this. So to me, these fleet carriers, it should be a valuable asset. They shouldn't be dotted all over the bubble or dotted all over the galaxy. I think squadrons is the right level. I can't see many more players breaking off and forming their own one-man squadrons. Well, not unless they have the time and dedication to put into the upkeep of these fleet carriers. And the fleet support vessel will allow a lot of players the flexibility of a capital class support ship at a fraction of the price of the carrier. Okay, it will still not have any of the general services apart from the crew lounge, but if a player wants access to those things, they should join or form a squadron. I don't want to go on too much about this, talk more about possible economy maybe next time. Well, that's my two cents worth. What do you think? Commander Gus Haynes, out. So, here is an update on my fleet carrier thoughts. Four hours after I posted this onto the Elite Dangerous suggestion forum, some of it appears to have been implemented in the beta. Introducing the Playbox Mega Console, the number one video console in the galaxy. Bored during Hutton Orbital Run? Select Super Cruise Assist, kick back and play Call of Battle 397 on your Playbox.
was a song called Blue Sky Blues by Cara Square. Hi, this is Ragnar13, and today I want to talk to you about agility in combat, how to move fast. some basic engine management the more pips you put to engines the faster you go putting your throttle down to the blue zone increases your maneuverability because it allows more thrust to be put to the uh, side and up and down thrusters and the up down the pitch thrust stronger than the left right the yaw so you turn quicker if you go up or down compared to left or right Hence why this goes back to 20th century fighter pilots with a yank and bank. You turn on your side and then pull upwards to do a fast turn. So your opponent has flown over your head and you immediately pull back on your stick to move upwards. But you're not turning as fast as you'd like. The trick is to push on your downward thrusters. So you're actually kicking your back end of your ship down and round quicker. Now the trick is not to do it for too long because then you'll kill all your speed. But if you apply a short amount of downward thrust as you're pitching upwards, it will kick you around a lot, lot quicker. The next stage is to toggle flight assist on and off as you need it. So have flight assist off on a shortcut. You do your pitch upwards, thrust downwards, and then you flick flight assist off. Just for a second as you do most of the turn, and then flick it back on. It's considerably increased your turn rate and give you control back when you line up with the enemy. And the final level of agility in combat is of course flying with flight assist off all of the time. This takes a lot of practice. Ideally, watch a couple of YouTube videos, get in your sidewinder and go to an asteroid belt and practice flying around asteroids, flying very fast through an asteroid belt. It takes practice, but it is worth it in the end. So in summary, control those pips for what you need. Stick to the blue zone on the throttle when you're turning. Roll over, pitch the direction up or down, throw your thrusters on, flick flight assist off, flick it back on and line up to your enemy. Good luck in that combat, Commander. This is Ragnar13 signing off. Fly safe. Are you bored with doing your own ironing? Fed up with cleaning the cockpit yourself? Need someone to pop to your nearest space market and pick up those groceries? Well, why not use me? I am a Marvin model android. I have a brain the size of a planet. But you are more than likely going to use me to darn your space socks anyway. Marvin Model Android available for all respectable retailers in your area.
was a track called Homesick by Keytronic. Hi, this is Commander Mark Ormiston checking in with my log on my route to Beagle Point. Um, personally, in my life, I've not been able to log on as often, so I'm still uh, probably about 23,000 light years out of Beagle Point. So I left the galactic core and I'm currently flying across uh, Newton's um, is it Newton's Cradle? I can't remember. Um, and I'm on my way, obviously honking all the systems, scanning any of the planets, looking for some geological stuff or anything interesting that pops up. Randomly, right across, I mean, you're talking a good 30,000 light years out of this core. Uh, I found probably about four or five systems that have been previously visited by the same commander and scanned and everything. Might have been from the distant worlds thing but so far I've, I've hardly come across any um which i was expecting to find more to be honest with you i thought we maybe we'd, we'd get more um 
systems that have already been scanned after that exploration but then again there are that many systems however it is getting blacker and blacker as i leave i um, went to get some farm some materials from a couple of geological sites and best tip i can say is don't fly when you're tired um it's one thing to jump from system to system honk pick a field scoop get some fss data but you try and land on a planet and you're feeling a bit sleepy and you are proper light thousands and thousands of light years from the bubble or any civilized site to get hull repairs don't do it i did it i went from a 98 percent hull down to a 48 percent hull because i'm not carrying shields to keep the weight down and so I'm sat at 48% hull, head in hand, thinking, oh my God, am I really going to get to Beagle Point in one piece? Um, or am I actually going to get somewhere to drop this exploration data off and get the, what has now been eight weeks worth of exploration data? I'm sort of hoarding at the moment. So I'm still on my way to Beagle Point. I'm probably just coming up to uh, 21,000 light years. It'll be nice to actually point the galaxy map at Beagle Point and get a route direct to it and then start to do a proper countdown. But at the moment, I'm 160 jumps from uh, that point. And then obviously from there, I've probably got another 180, 200 jumps to go. So a good 300 jumps away from Beagle Point. Once I get to Beagle Point, um, tempted to just come back because of the, the hull damage um, i'll see how it goes when i get to beagle point i have not sustained any other hull damage but i was gonna try and go either further out to the abyss as far as my jump range would allow me and where there are systems or to do a great big outer loop and perhaps come back to the bubble by going around the very outer rim systems um, which obviously would take a very long time and again uh, it's at more risk of me losing the exploration data, so I'm a bit 50-50 whether to go back after Beagle Point um, or go into the go as far out as I can through the abyss and then turn back and get to Colonia perhaps and drop the exploration data. Um, so that's everything for Commander Mark Ormiston. Thank you. Radal Space Fuels. Locally refined in the radial system, our space fuels keep you trucking, digging, or fighting for longer. With our patented enhanced drive cleaning technology, we guarantee you'll be pleased with the results. Use radial space fuels and support your local systems. Using our enhanced fuels may cause your drive to explode, evaporating your ship. Radial space fuels are used at your own risk.
was Rock Thing by Creo. Payton was born on July 19, 3282 in a war-torn environment. Her mother was seriously ill before birth and her father died before the birth of the war. Her mother succumbed to the disease and died shortly after birth. Due to the bad circumstances, Peyton was in very poor physical shape and was born almost blind. The dead of both parents and a chaotic system on the planet made her a street child. She had to steal to survive and felt weak and helpless. When she was caught stealing, she was sentenced to forced labor and was repeatedly abused and resold by slave traders. At this point in her life she no longer believed she could ever escape this nightmare. After a few years she met another slave named Kiro, she was a little older than Peyton and the opposite of her, but they made friends in secret. Kiro taught Peyton how to defend herself to increase her self-esteem. After about a year the two were observed training and punished for this. Kiro was executed as a rebel in front of Peyton's eyes. In Peyton's head a switch went around her and she felt a deep inner anger and lust for murder. She knew that she had to flee from here to find and kill those who were responsible for all of this. After weeks of planning and obtaining a blade, she was ready to escape. She sneaked past most of the guards during the night and killed three of them. She narrowly escaped and was then hunted. She came past a patrol of soldiers and initially thought they were enemies and stood up to them with the bloody knife and only a torn and blood-stained rag on her body. The soldiers were from the Federation. They saw the lust for murder and that she was apparently an escaped slave. She was overwhelmed and when she calmed down she was offered to serve the Federation. She didn't know where to go and the promise of protection from her persecutors in the back of her mind she agreed. She has had multiple operations and her eyes have been replaced with high-tech eyes. She was trained to fight and served the Federation for seven years, then turned 22 and was dishonorably released and detained by several war crimes. She was able to escape on the transport to a prison cluster. She went underground and after nearly three years she got the pilot's license and started a new life. After a long flight, what better way to relax than with a glass of the finest beverage in the galaxy? Whether it be a snifter of Lavian brandy, a mug of conger ale, or a simple cup of kitten brand coffee with thrustus cream, the male slut will always have a slot open for a weary commander. Deadly germs are creeping over the earth, killing every human in their path. gives grotesque and terrible birth to a monstrous creature sworn to kill and torture and destroy. Deadly germs are creeping over the earth, killing every human in their path. Time is running out for the planet Earth. creeping over the earth, killing every human in their path. Deadly germs are creeping over the earth, killing every human in their path.
That song was called Social Distancing by White Wolf. We would like to thank the following for their contributions to Episode 3, Lockdown. Commander McFreak, Commander Ragnar 13, Commander Mark Orminston, Commander Peyton Argon. We always need content for our shows. If you would like to help us out, please drop us a message on Facebook. Fly dangerous and stay safe, Commanders. Syndicate Radio will be back next time bringing you the latest news, chats, music and much more. So stay tuned on Space Frequency 19934 Astrovertz.